Today we're going to talk about a very safe and non-controversial, yet culturally relevant topic. Wives, submit to your own husbands in the Lord. We're going to take our time working through these next verses, um, finishing chapter 3 of Colossians and going into chapter 4. Today we're going to look at two verses dealing with husbands and wives. Paul addresses the very things our culture is struggling with today. And if we do not turn to biblical truth, we will continue to see the destruction of the family and our society while the church is complicit in her silence. If the church is not challenged by its shepherds, that's your pastors. If the church is not challenged by its shepherds, it will remain a spectator as the culture crumbles around it. It is past time for the church to awake and rise to her proper place, to be salt and light in this dark time. Christ Fellowship Church, you must respond. And don't think your response is meaningless or powerless or makes no difference because it does. Just as your non-response makes a difference. Colossians 3, 18 and 19. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. We'll look at these verses in the context of the relationships Paul is addressing and in the context of the current cultural phenomenon that has relegated biblical truth to the ash heap of history and deemed it irrelevant for today. In fact, those who believe and advocate the truths of the Bible, like wives submit to your own husbands, are now considered the lunatic fringe of our society deemed dangerous to the progress of the world. Christian, talking to you and to myself. Beware. The world has shifted, and we must shift with it right back to the foundation of truth and morality found only in the Word of God. And if we do not, we will be complicit in the destruction that will continue to wreak havoc on our world and specifically our families. To wives, Colossians 3.18, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Paul instructs wives to submit to your own husbands. Wives do not submit to every man nor do they submit to every husband. But wives are to submit to their own husbands. And that submission is fitting or proper. It is morally right in the Lord. In other words, a wife submitted to her own husband is what is right. The Lord designed a husband and wife to function this way. And this is fitting. A man and woman joined in marriage become one flesh. Marriage is not an adversarial or competitive relationship, but a complementary one. From the one man, God created the first woman. 
From one, he created two distinct and unique individuals designed to be different. Those differences complement the two as they are joined in marriage to become one flesh again. From one, he makes two, and the two are joined to become one. The difference between man and woman are not to be, cel- are to be celebrated. They're to be honored. They're to be appreciated, and they're to be utilized to the glory of God and to the good of the man and the woman. We're not to be ashamed or afraid to talk about this, preach and teach about this, or promote this as the true design of God for man and for woman in marriage. This is God's created order, and Jesus affirmed this in the Gospels. Matthew 19, 4 through 6. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Or Mark 10, verses 2 through 9. I'm going to include a little bit more of the discourse Jesus had with the Pharisees here. Mark chapter 10, verse 2. The Pharisees came and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. It is the hardness of men's hearts. It is man's sin that breaks the covenant of marriage. Marriage has become to many a pastime of convenience, not a lifelong commitment. For better or for worse, that bond of the two becoming one is a bond of love in the Lord that is to remain unbroken. Love holds the line. And out of the bond of love comes the command for wives to submit to their own husbands. We don't see it this way in the culture today. This is not a command that's born out of love. This is a command born out of hate in the opinion of many today. Submission is not preached from many pulpits today. There's been an intimidation factor that has quietly or not so quietly infected the pulpits of our Western churches. Women have for many decades acted as the spiritual leaders of the home and and in much of the church. Men have sinfully abandoned their role in the family and the church, and men pick and choose what they want to have the final say in, and very often in spiritual matters, men are happy to let their wives take that role. This has created a crisis of leadership in the family and in the church. 
Wives, submit to your own husbands is a topic that is avoided by many pastors. Too controversial. But it must not be avoided because the scripture addresses it. The idea of wives submitting to their own husbands is not just considered antiquated by many today, but abusive, condescending, and even hateful. There are many women and men today who will not sit under this biblical teaching. The command that wives submit to their own husbands is opposed on many fronts. A pastor who would actually preach and advocate for this biblical position today runs the risk of being called misogynistic or worse. It is actually the opposite. To tell the truth, to say what God says, is the most loving, caring, and beneficial thing we can do. No matter what the culture says to intimidate us into submission to their false and their sinful narrative. They are not actually supposed to submission as long as we are submitting to them and to their sin. The feminist and equal rights movements, among others, have successfully intimidated much of the church into abandoning or ignoring this biblical command. Wives submitting to their own husbands is seen as moving backwards. Teaching women that it is right to submit to their husbands is seen as opposing all that women have fought so hard for. It opposes equality with men, but even worse, it opposes equity with men. The demand is no longer just equality. The demand is now equity. This is not only unbiblical, it is absolutely destructive, and we are seeing the fruits of that destruction today. Equality or equity, you may wonder, what is the difference? Well, there is a very big difference between equality and and equity, even though they sound very, very similar. According to the Milken Institute of Public Health at George Washington University, and I quote, while the terms equity and equality may sound similar, the implementation of one versus the other can lead to dramatically different outcomes for marginalized people. Equity means each individual or group of people is given the same resources or opportunities. I'm sorry, equality means each individual or group of people is given the same resources or opportunities. Equity recognizes that each person has different circumstances and allocates the exact resources and opportunities needed to reach an equal outcome. Close quote. Equality means equal opportunity for all. That's no longer enough. The demand now is for equity. Equity means equal outcomes for all. Do you see the difference? There's quite a difference. <clears throat> this is where we are now in our culture. The concept of social equity is not biblical. It opposes God, and it opposes his created order. God did not create men and women to be equal. He created them to be very different, to complement one another. This all has to do with, wives, submit to your own husbands in the Lord. Because the resistance for women to submit to their husbands is 
born out of this sinful attitude about equality and equity. We are not egalitarians, and the Bible doesn't teach egalitarianism. It teaches complementarianism. Men and women are not to be equal. They're to complement one another. They're different for a reason, and it's very obvious if you know anything about biology. They are called women, a marginalized people group today. Today, women are presented as victims. Women are created on purpose to be different and to complement men, not to be equal with men. And so women today are presented as victims and marginalized. Of course, men are the ones seen as victimizing and marginalizing women. This marginalization requires that there be equity between men and women. Equal outcomes must be achieved, and that will happen by compensating for unequal abilities. The practical result is destroying our society, and in particular, it is destroying the family. And this didn't just begin yesterday. This has been happening for decades, for centuries. Women cannot swim as fast as men. Even when men pretend to be women, they still swim faster. The biological disparity between men and women is normal in creation. Both genders are designed to do certain things the other cannot. Men can open some jars that women cannot open. That is not unfair. That is natural law. It is nothing to be ashamed of, and fairness has no place in the conversation, as disparity naturally exists in both genders. There's things that women can do that men can't do. And guys, you don't want to do a lot of those things that men can do that we can't do. The concept of equity as preached by today's cultural saviors and social justice warriors is not found in God's created order. It's not found among humans, and it's certainly not found among animals. For example, a pride of lions may have equal opportunity with a herd of zebras, but not all lions have equal ability. So what do we do? Do we hinder the stronger lions so that they can't catch all the food? What about the slow zebras? How do we create equity for all zebras? Running from lions, chasing after their dinner. Well, you can't. You don't. That's not the world God created. What about the seals who can't outswim the sharks? How do we create equity for them? You may be tempted to say, well, Pastor Jeff, we're not animals. And you would be right, except that the revolutionary, evolutionary, social justice warriors consider humans just another animal sharing this planet. They believe, in fact, all animals deserve equity. Yes, it has become that insane. Humans, stop having babies. Animals have as much right to the planet as you do. Solution, abortion. Overturn abortion, and what's the result? It's rage because babies are being saved and not murdered. That may sound insane to you. I hope it does. But that is the reality of the world we're living in today. Unborn eagles 
are valued more than unborn humans. Toast some egret at a fireworks display, even accidentally, and the culture warriors lose their minds and are ready to toast the humans responsible. For many animals have become more valuable and worthy of life than human beings. The quest for equity, for equality, has turned into a demand. The quest for equality has turned into a demand for equity. And this has become a destructive movement that has led to the disintegration of the family. We're seeing and we're feeling the consequences of this right now in our culture. And those devastating consequences are much more far-reaching than we realize. If we just imagine or if we just examine the facts from an unbiased point of view, we'll see, for example, this is what's emerging right now. This is the latest news. The emerging profile for mass shooters today reveals not a gun problem, but a problem in the family and a problem in the culture. The culture wants to call it a gun problem, but the reality is the emerging profile are young men who are severely disturbed, who are isolated, who don't have the role models proper, who are angry and isolated, and they take that anger and that rage out after playing violent video games for hours and days and weeks and years on end, they take that rage out on real human beings who they hate. That, my friends, is not a gun problem. Japan has some of the strictest gun laws on earth. And their former prime minister was just assassinated by a guy who made a homemade gun. If people want to kill, they'll find a way to kill with guns, knives, or their bare hands. Cain didn't need a gun to kill Abel. He just needed rage and anger and selfishness and a rejection of God. We're living out the consequences of decades of sinful ideas put into practice and now made policy. If the destruction of the family is the problem, then the restoration of the family is the solution. But this is not possible apart from the gospel of Christ. This is why God specifically addresses the family and family issues. This is why God commands wives and husbands and children to obey his word. The command for wives to submit to their own husbands stands in opposition to the culture's destructive demand for equity. God loves men and women equally, but he did not make them equal in design or in function. Equity between men and women, was never intended by God. You can give men and women equal opportunity, but men and women are not equal in their abilities. They are created on purpose to be different and to possess different abilities. And the differences between men and women are to be embraced and appreciated as God's good and glorious design for His creation. We just celebrated Independence Day, and Thomas Jefferson penned these famous words in 1776 during the beginning of the American Revolution. And they read, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All humans are equally created by God. 
they are all endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That means they didn't come from man or government. They came from God, the creator. But that does not mean all men are created with equal ability or that they're created equal because they're not. It does not mean all men and all women will have equal outcomes. They will not because they cannot. And it is wrong to try to force that. All men are not supposed to have equal ability. Nature and biology proves that every day. The fact that not all humans have equal ability is not unfair. Did you hear me, church? That's not unfair. It is simply the world God created. And the problem is we want to reject God and therefore we reject the world he created. And what we don't like we call unfair. And we sin and try to change it and make it fair when it's impossible to do. This is why God commands us not to covet. That's true for stuff, for possessions, and it's also true for abilities. You can do a lot through hard work and effort, but some people are born with natural abilities that others are not. And that is not unfair, and we should not despise what God has given us as his creation. And we should not look at others of his creation and covet what he has given them. We should rejoice for what God has gifted us with, and we should rejoice for what God has gifted others with. What is unfair is the quest for equity. Equity means everyone wins and no one loses. That means, in reality, we all lose. Because that is not the world God created. That is a fantasy world that leads to greater and more deadly problems. Case in point, read the latest headlines. The quest for equity is sin because it opposes God's created order and it opposes God himself. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. God commands this because it is his created order. It's not our choice, it's God's choice. He created wives to submit to their husbands. He did this for a purpose. He also commands husbands in regard to their wives and this complements the fitting relationship between a submitted wife and her husband. Peter gives instructions to wives concerning submission to husbands as well. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Peter informs that the wife's submissive conduct may be used by God to win over her unbelieving husband. 
the Scripture likens the obedient conduct of a believing wife with that of the holy women of former times who trusted in God, adorning themselves with a gentle and quiet spirit. Peter compares the submissive wife with Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and was not afraid and was not ashamed in her obedience. The Lord gives promise to the wife who obeys the word of God. She is in submission first to her God and then to her husband. This is contrary to our modern view of marriage. The biblical view of marriage has fallen into irrelevance among many in our current culture. Today, it is rare to see a couple marry who does not first live together or have children together. It is no longer seen as a sin. It's now normal and even advised by families and the experts. Advised is acceptable. And as acceptable as it is in our culture, it is still sinful. The culture may call it normal and healthy, but God still calls it sin. We must be willing to tell that truth. God's covenant of marriage is actually to provide great protection to a wife, who God calls the weaker vessel. Marriage provides protection through commitment, legally and spiritually. And many reject marriage today for those very reasons, because they do not want to make a commitment. Many reject marriage for that reason, because no commitment is required to be roommates with benefits. And that's what we have in much of our culture today. It's rampant. And it's not accidental that that is rampant along with divorce in our culture. As Christians, we do not allow the culture to define marriage or what is or what is not acceptable, God's Word determines what is right and what is not. Marriage is defined by God. It's ordained by Him for the good of the wife and the husband and the children and all of society. A wife submitted to her own husband is fitting. It's right in the Lord. We do not obey God's Word because it's easy or convenient or popular. We obey because it is His Word and He commands us. God honors obedience to the husbands. Husbands, verse 19, Colossians 3, 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Let me read this, these two verses together. Wives, submit to your own husbands. For it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Wives, submit to your own husbands in the Lord is coupled with husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. The admonition, do not be bitter toward them, implies that there will be the temptation for a husband to be bitter toward his wife. We must resist that temptation. Perhaps the wife is struggling with being submitted to her husband. Perhaps a wife is doing things that is upsetting the relationship. 
Whatever is happening, whatever the temptation to be bitter is, there is no justification to be bitter toward your wife, husbands. There is no justification for bitterness. The Bible makes that clear. The command to husbands is simple and without a loophole here. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them, period. Let's look at the same commands to wives and to husbands written in another letter. Let's look at Paul's admonition written in his letter to the Ephesian church. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 28. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands... Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That's spiritual leadership, men. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves Himself. Paul expands on this commandment in his letter to the Ephesians. He's not communicating something different. Wives are commanded to submit to their husbands, and husbands are commanded to love their wives. In these verses in Ephesians, Paul expounds on the responsibility of the husband in loving his wife. The husband's love for the wife is compared to Christ's love for the church. And when we consider this, we're to see the role of the wife in submission to her husband the same way we're to see the church in submission to Christ. The church certainly fails Christ, but he is not bitter and his love does not fail for his bride. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. We love him. For he first loved us, the scripture teaches. It is the love of the husband that welcomes the submission of the wife. Submission, wives, is not conditional upon your husband's love. But the love of a husband welcomes the submission of a wife. Husbands, if you want your wives to be submitted to you, then love them the way Christ loves the church. And there won't be a problem. It is this Christ-like love that casts away all fear. There is no fear in submission when there is no lack of love. We're not talking about perfect relationships, so don't hear what I'm not saying. There are no perfect relationships. We're talking about love that covers a multitude of sin. We're talking about love that empowers us to look past the imperfect and even the dysfunctional Love that leads and nurtures and heals. Love that does not fear the truth, but embraces it even when the truth is uncomfortable and even painful. Knowing that it is only the truth that gives us a path to freedom. When we begin to understand that the command for wives to submit to their own husbands does not stand alone, but is coupled with the command for husbands to love their wives, 
the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, we will cease to fear this command and we will begin to obey it knowing it is fitting in the Lord. Let's go back to the scripture in 1 Peter chapter 3. I read the first six verses. I want to read the seventh verse now. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7. Husbands, here Peter is commanding wives to submit to their husbands, but he also warns husbands about their attitude toward their wives. 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. The warning for husbands is to dwell with their wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife. Here, the implication is that we will be tempted to misunderstand our wives and even dishonor them. Husbands, you are to resist that temptation, even when you do not understand your wife. And that is certainly a possibility. Do not dishonor them. Recognize her as the weaker vessel. That statement is controversial and considered misogynistic. That, that word misogynistic means the hatred of women, the fear of women. That's what men are accused of, hating and fearing women. That's why we talk about scriptures like this, because we hate and we fear women. That's what the culture wants you to believe. But the Bible teaches us otherwise. This is controversial in our culture today, but God designed that women be the weaker vessel. She is not less valuable, she is just weaker. As a rule, women are weaker than men, and the husband is to be the covering of protection and provision that gives safety and security to the wife. The husband is to be this to his wife the same way Christ is to his church. Husband and wife, you are heirs together of the grace of life. Men, if you do not dwell with your wife with understanding, if you do not give her the proper honor she is to have, if you take advantage of her as the weaker vessel instead of protecting her, if you see yourself as better because you're a man, your prayers will be hindered, the Scripture teaches us. In other words, God will not honor your prayers until your sinful attitude towards your wife is dealt with. How do you deal with it? Repent of your sin and obey the Scripture as it commands you concerning your wife and all things. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Do not be bitter because you are ultimately responsible for your family. If you abdicate your position as spiritual head of your family, you will not only answer to God one day, but you are contributing to the destruction of our society and the disintegration of the family, your family and others. This is not hyperbole. This is where we are today in our culture. This is why we're seeing the things that we're seeing. This is why we're seeing the acceleration of these things that are so evil, so destructive, so unbelievable. You hear it all the time. People are saying, I can't believe this is happening. What's happened to our world? What's happened to our nature? What's happened? Well, I'm telling you what's happened. 
What's happened is we've rejected God, we've rejected His Word, we've rejected His ways, and we should not be surprised at what's happening. This is not hyperbole, this is reality. We are at a critical point in time. What you choose to do or not do matters. Your obedience and your disobedience will make a difference. Obedience for, heading, for healing our wounds or disobedience for more destruction. Men notoriously want to go big or not at all. You've heard that. Go big or don't go at all. That's a recipe for failure and disaster. Why? Because while we're waiting for that right time to go big, the grains of sand are quietly slipping through the hourglass. It's not some big thing that will change the world. It's all the small things we do not pay attention to. And I'll be the first to confess I am as guilty as anyone in this. But that's not an excuse to continue down that road and in those ways. All of those small, incremental, seemingly insignificant things have finally made manifest the destruction that has been taking place all along. We missed it, but we're starting to notice the accumulation of destruction all around us. And if we continue down this path as a people, we do, do so to our own peril as a people and as a nation. Listen, the church is victorious. church is going to prevail. No guarantee about America. No guarantee about the world as you know it, our culture, our society, our way of life. No guarantees there. Men, husbands, fathers, you are called to be responsible as the head of your home, the priest, and Christ, the Christ-like figure your family is to look to to lead them in the things of God. The problem is not wives who will not submit. The problem is men who will not lead. The problem is men willing to abdicate their rightful place because it's too easy not to. Men don't choose compromise over commitment. I'm saying men don't choose compromise over commitment to God and to His Word. If men do not get to the hard and uncomfortable work of leading, we will be watching from the rear as our churches and our nation sinks deeper and deeper into sin and into darkness. The family is key in seeing restoration and healing take place in our churches and in our nation. Men, you are called to lead your family in the things of God, first and foremost, bar none. Your first responsibility is to be the spiritual head, the spiritual leader, and to lead your family in the things of God. There is nothing more important. And if you do not know that now, you will find out the hard way, either sooner or later. Christ is our only hope. The gospel, the only answer. Men, lead your family as deep as you can go in the things of God, and then go deeper. Show them and teach them who their hope is. It's not man. It's not a career. It is certainly not a government. It is Christ and Christ alone. 
And that charge to go as deep as you can is not just to men, it's to women, it's to fathers, it's to mothers, it's to parents, it's to individuals, it's to all of us. We have at our disposal technology that gives us the ability to read things, to read the scripture, to know things, to learn things that, that were impossible just a few short decades ago. You have a wealth, treasury of truth at your fingertips. And if you do not access it, if you do not delve into God's word, if you don't begin to search for the treasures of his word, there is no excuse except your lack of trying, your lack of diligence. You say, man, that sounds kind of hard, Pastor Jeff. No, it's not. It's just true. It's not good enough to know the right things to do. You have to actually do them. We talked about this in Sunday school. This is faith. Faith works. You can't say you have faith and then do nothing. You can't just wish with faith. Faith is not wishing things away. Faith is believing. It's substantive. It's doing the things necessary to grow and mature. It's doing the hard things so that we can see the right things begin to happen and manifest in our own lives personally, but also in our families and our greater culture, in the church. So don't just talk about your faith. Live out your faith. Act out your faith. Don't just be content to know the right things. Grow in the right things. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And don't stop growing. Don't stop searching. Don't stop knocking. Don't stop seeking. Go as deep as you can, and when you think you've gone as deep as you can, just keep going. And know that God honors faithfulness. And we are gracefully reminded of that truth each week that we come to his table. So I want you to prepare your hearts come to the table of the Lord. I want you to be challenged by the things I've said. And if I stepped on your toes, it's okay, God can heal toes. Denying the truth is not going to set you free. Knowing the truth will set you free. And it's not just having a head knowledge of the truth. It's experiencing the truth. It's living the truth. It's embracing the truth. It's allowing the truth to embrace you and to define you. That's when you will find your freedom in Christ. Church, as you trust in Jesus, as his children, as his covenant members, welcome to the table and welcome to Jesus. Let's all stand. To men and women, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, do not grow weary in doing good.
for you shall reap if you do not lose heart. Be courageous. If you are realizing you are late to the game, take heart and obediently jump in the battle. We have all made mistakes. We have all failed. We have all sinned. Thank the Lord for His forgiving, all-sufficient grace. Do not lament your past. Live in the present. Work and fight courageously and obey His word, trusting Him for a brighter future. Men, lead your families faithfully, even when they resist you. Be the example. Love your wives and give them a reason to submit to your leadership. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Be an example of a biblical man. Be faithful to your Lord and to his church and teach your family to do the same. Wives, obey the word of God. Submit to your own husbands in the Lord, for this is fitting. Do not buy the lie of the culture. Do not be ashamed to be a biblical woman. Wife and mother, understand your family is the first priority you have after the Lord himself. Don't chase after those things the culture tells you to seek. Don't seek equality or equity. Embrace the fact that God made you a woman and know that you are the glory of man. If we are not moved to take a stand now, I'm not sure when we will be. Perhaps when it's too late. That's how it often works. But we do not need to wait until then. Now is the time. Today is the day. Rise up, church. Stop being silent. Stop being fearful. Do not allow the culture to intimidate you. Speak the truth in love and speak it out loud for all to hear. Speak it, live it, and love the truth. And know that Jesus is Lord and we win. Amen.